As believers, we all want to raise kids who will honor God and be good citizens. But is teaching them about God and the Bible enough to raise strong leaders? In today's episode, we'll focus on eight practical things to do to help your kids develop a leader's backbone. Are you ready? Let's dig deeper. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. And we are going to talk about eight ways to make leaders out of your kids. But before we dig in, Sebastian, you had something you wanted to add. Well, yeah, more like set the tone for this, the reason for this podcast, because I've realized as I've been a believer for over 35 years, and I've noticed that a lot of believers are convinced that if they teach their kids about the Bible and about God, this will be sufficient to make them into leaders. But that's just not true. I mean, how many of us have met Christians, believers, that are goody-goody, that lack confidence, that are actually using the Bible and God as a crutch and not as something that empowers them to be more, to become more, and to do more? I've noticed this. I'm sure you have too. And it's a mistake that a lot of believers fall into. And we don't want to do that mistake in our parenting. And we want to make sure that as kingdom believers, as leaders, we raise leaders as well. And that's very interesting you say that. And I've also noticed, uh, especially a lot of women tend to focus their whole parenting around God is love, showing Jesus is love and love and showering love and words of praise. And it's only that. And so the child is almost raised as if, you know, they can do no wrong kind of thing yeah. mentality. And, um, you know, when we're raising leaders, we're raising a different type of child. You're not raising, if you're raising a child, that's just going to be, you know, a loving individual. Um, yeah. Or someone that's, you know, yes, a yes man. And, you know, is, um, groomed to be part of the nine to five, you know, follower type position, then that's fine because that person is going to grow up to, you know, respect their bosses, respect authority because that's how they're taught. And these are all principles we need to learn anyway. Exactly. But it's going to end there. They won't show any initiative. They won't be determined to thrive for more. Uh, They won't have visions and dreams because they basically are going to settle for the box that they're put in, the nine to five. Yeah, well, if you you teach your, your kids a box, they will make their lives a box, right? So, and that's not what we're about here at Thriving on Purpose. And speaking of uh, teaching them uh, love and how to be loving and all that, uh, Josh McDowell once uh, said that what brings kids to rebellion are extremes in parenting. Right. One extreme is to love them so much and not give them any discipline. So to be all about love, 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 love. Guess what? Your kids will most probably rebel. And the other extreme is to give discipline, 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 no love. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Another extreme, your kids will probably end up rebelling even faster than with just love alone. So extremes are to be avoided as in all things. Balance, I've taught that many times, how balance is so important. Well, you want to teach your kids a great balance between love and discipline. And you know, this is very important, um, this podcast episode 
Um, if you have even young children, it's not uh, a podcast episode that's just that's just for teenagers. We can also adapt our parenting uh, principles, the different things we're going to mention to younger children as well. Yeah. And I'll give you examples of how we've been doing it also with our, our younger kids. Uh, but just to explain to you also, you know, I was raised in a Christian home where my father was, um, you know, very much like a, a sergeant of the army, if you want. He, he actually had a dad that went in the army. So everything was a little bit of, um, you know, positional leadership and you have to do it because, you know, it's either in the Bible or I said so. And it was very, very uh, black or white. And there was those ingredients that were missing, you know. So even as a firstborn, I was, you know, I had this, um, I was always inclined to be a leader, even when I was in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. It was always part of me. But I didn't have the tools I needed to flourish and know where I was going in life because mm -hmm. it was, you know, always about you have to respect authority and do this and do that, but you don't really understand why and you're not really taught to think for yourself and there was so many other components missing. So we're going to talk, we're going to go into these eight points to really give you guys a good foundation so that you know a little more how to apply these things and um, it will see great results in your children. All right. So what's point number one, Liz? Allow your kids to take risks. Allow your kids to take risks. And so many parents today are so overprotective because we've been, for the last, I don't know, 20 years, I've seen such a shift in parenting. I mean, back in the day, it was almost an extreme where I was not left on my own, but I would go and do things that, Today's parents would have ripped their hair off their heads knowing or thinking, oh, he's going to get hurt doing that or he's going to hit. And, and they, they're so scared that, oh, he's playing in the mud or, oh, he's playing with worms or, oh, he's going to get germs. Or, like the overprotectiveness of for, for everything, for, for illness, for getting hurt, for jumping off a swing or I don't know. There's so many things that parents today, they don't want their kids to take any kind of risks. Well, guess what? When you don't allow your kids to take risks, there's consequences. It's going to affect their psyche and it's going to affect who they become. And I've noticed a lot of, um, I've had a lot of conversations with women uh, that are retired. So of, you know, middle, I'd say like in their 60s. And a lot of these women I've noticed even in their 50s, are so scared of their adult, their young adult going out in the world, whether it be, uh, you know, in college or uh, going, moving away to, to go study somewhere um, or going to their apartment. And the reason they're so scared is because there's fundamentals that they haven't put in place. They are not sure about what kind of decision making their child will make. And that is why they're scared that they're going to fall on their face, mm -hmm. how they're going to yeah. fail, that they're not going to be able to get back up again. Because they know the, the world is, is a cruel place, right? It's tough and not everybody's going to give them a chance like their mom would, right? All right. So here's a few bullet points for you guys to, to jot down or, or gain from. When you don't allow your kids to take risks, they may develop an unhealthy lack of self-esteem, which is just normal when you think about it, because if mom is kind of like, or dad, because there's dads like that, they're kind of transposing on their kids a, a fear of this, fear of that, don't do this, don't, you're going to hurt, it's dangerous, don't do that. Guess what? The kid's going to grow up either, in <laughs> either in fear of everything or wanting to wanting to rebel against that and be uh, take ridiculous risks and and then get in, in big tr bigger trouble because they're taking risks that they shouldn't they should have known better right and when you allow risk taking they become more aware of their strengths in the process now that's a great way for them to learn about who they are what they are made of to test their metal when you allow your kids to take risks without being overprotective they get to know themselves so much better in the process, right, Liz? Exactly. And you know, it's it's part of the process. When you take risks and you make those decisions, that's where you learn about yourself, about your weaknesses, about your strengths, where you have to improve. Yeah, exactly. And risk-taking is also part of the cycle of success. Now, you might be asking, what the heck is the cycle of success? Well, I've got good news for you guys. I once did a YouTube video 
about just that. And we'll post the link to that YouTube video in the show notes of episode 51, which you're listening to right now. So if you want to know more about the cycle of success, you can go click there, but I'll give you the, the crux of it. Here's the cycle. It's fivefold. First, you test. Second, most likely you will fail. It happens. I mean, <laughs> when we do something for the first time, unless you have beginner's luck, what they call beginner's luck, you fail. It's part of the process. Number three, you learn from that. Because in failure, there's the greatest lessons in life. You don't get your greatest lessons in your successes, but in your failures. Number four, once you have failed and learned, you need to improve before the last step, which is re-entry. So you try again. So test, fail, learn, improve, and then re-enter the, uh, the fray to, to make it happen. So that's the cycle of success. And you can watch the YouTube video uh, of which we post, post the link at the bottom of the show notes. So when they fail, ask them what they learned and how they can improve. So, you know, when you have young children, oftentimes you're going to notice that what they want to do, you know, because we're parents, we can see that the result isn't going to end so well, right? So sometimes they'll say, I'm going to go do this. And they think the outcome is going to be different and you know that it's not going to work out. But that's where you have to let them go sometimes, especially if it's not something that's going to hurt them in the process mm. or it is dangerous. You let them go and then, you know, once they fail, then you can go back and say, well, did you ever think of doing this this way? Maybe it would avoid this or, you know, you can give suggestions on how you would have done things differently or coach them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because that process helps them not only you know because if you do it before the problem is a lot of and I used to do this a lot I used to say well you shouldn't do that because if you do this then this is going to happen I was always like kind of giving them the end result before they tried it and I realized that especially with my son that liked to learn on his own and he had to experience it he had to see his you know had to see it through before learning the process so he had to do the action even if he failed because he was determined that his way was the right way and then only when he had failed he had that teachable moment that he was open to before that it just didn't work so there you know and it that depends on the the type of temperament you know my my daughter marissa you can tell her in advance what you think might happen and she's gonna go you know the other route of you know, I'm going to take the wise decision and try it the better way. But not all kids are made the same way. So that's why it's important for them to learn on their own and for you to kind of guide them, you know, once they've tried different things and question them, you know, what could you have done better? Like, could you have done something different? And that brings us to number two of the eight ways to make leaders out of your kids. Number two is don't rescue your kids too quickly. Oh, this is a tough one, too. Don't rescue your kids too quickly. It kind of falls in line with number one. But the problem is, some of us will, will say, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let them go that far. Oh, maybe not that far. Maybe, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming, baby. I'm coming. But see, the problem is, we don't want to let them see it through. Whatever risk they're taking or thing they're trying, it might not even be a risk. It might just be something they're trying that might in the end, not be quite as good as they thought and they might be disappointed. Sometimes we even want to save them from disappointment, which is not something we should do. I mean, there's, they need to learn from their own mistakes. And when, you know, when you have very, very young kids, you see this young, like a lot of parents don't even want to let their kids fall. Like yeah. they're constantly like hovering over them. And, and I was never like that. Hovering like helicopter parents. Yeah, I was never like that with my kids in the sense that I always had an eye on them. And I was always pretty close, you know, when they were very young, but I let them fall on their knees and I let them cry. And then I, you know, bring them back up and say, it's no big deal. You're okay. And, you know, and we, we always did that with all our kids and everywhere I went, I saw other moms or you people that babysat our kids. They always said, oh my gosh, like your kids really don't cry that much when they fall. It's like no big deal. And I, and to me, I kind of, you know, just was this is normal, but I notice how 
even such a small detail for such a small child, for a lot of parents, it's the end of the world. And so they treat their kids like it's the end of the world because they fell and scraped their knee. And the kid's like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna like, like they're freaking out, like screaming, like if they're murdered, you know, like it's awful. It's like a whole big scene in the park because they don't know how to deal with that pain because it, you know, their parent has uh, put too much emphasis on the pain and not on getting back up basically. Yeah, getting back up is a huge part of life. And actually I went a step, a step farther than Liz in my parenting when my kids were young. I would actually on purpose trip them up because <laughs> life will trip you up, right? And I wanted them to be ready for that. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Come on. I'm not that cruel. <laughs> I did think about it though, but I didn't do it. Uh, so when, you know, not rescuing your kids too quickly, when you rescue them too quickly, you're not allowing them to be challenged and to learn problem solving. I mean, it's only when we have a hard to overcome challenge that we learn how to, to, to solve our problems, to how can I overcome this? How can I get around this? How can I climb this? How can I not fall, right? And also rescuing your kids too quickly increases their likelihood of asking to be rescued as an adult. Now there's something you don't want. We want to raise autonomous, confident human beings. I mean, leadership is not for people who will ask to be rescued all the time. It's okay to ask for help, but you don't want your kid to grow up wanting to be rescued. There's a huge difference between both of these things, okay? Asking for help is you took the initiative to do something great, but you're realizing that in the process, you're gonna need a hand or two. That's asking for help. Wanting to be rescued, now that's not even trying. That's like wanting the person to do it for you. And oftentimes if the parent has done it for the kid all these years, well, the kid is gonna expect as they grow up, people to step in and do it for them, whatever it is. And I, I've seen that um, many, many times. I think I've seen that in my family. I've seen that in, in a lot of circles around our family. You know, and especially when you're the type of parent that's a leader himself or herself, we tend to want to take matters in our own hands and kind of pave the way for the, the kid that's, you know, 16, 17, not really knowing where they're going and, and kind of going like, okay, well, I know where you should go, so I'm going to direct you there. Mm -hmm. And that always ends up backfiring because yeah. the kid didn't learn how to make those decisions on their own and decide what they wanted to do with their life and yeah. and this and that and i've seen so many different ways that this didn't work and also created uh young adults that were very unsure of themselves like very unsure of taking small decisions in their life yeah. and like for them you know choosing the right bed mattress is like the end of the world you know it's like a big big deal when we know that's not that important right mm. so it's just an example of how crucial it's important to start this young and to also represent this in your own life, right? If if you if you have this mentality where you constantly want to be saved by your husband, for example, then obviously, you know, you're going to teach your daughter yeah. how to always, you know, get rescued by her husband for whatever it is that she has difficulty with. Yeah. She won't be autonomous and thinking on her own, right? And how much more of a powerful couple is that when the wife can think and make good decisions in the man as well. Yeah, remember, it always takes two to make a power couple. Okay. And exactly. And you know what? We kind of smirk and laugh about this because a lot of people look at us as a power couple because we're not the typical couple that is, um, you know, one introvert and one, you know, silent type and one super extroverted leader that's very, very dominant. We both have leadership tendencies in, in different areas in our life. And we blend together, but that is also the difficult part of being a power couple because you have more, um, let's say, passionate conversations, <laughs> and you know you butt heads a little more, and um, it's it's really learning, you know, leadership in the home in a different way. But that. it also has a nice result. So our kids look at these things, and if we 
would act like this and would be scared of taking risks. And sometimes, you know, we're oftentimes we're very honest with our kids. We'll say, you know, this is what we're doing with Thriving on Purpose. And they ask us all kinds of questions and we explain why we're doing this and that. And we're kind of, you know, bringing them on the journey of this. And when things fail or when things work out or when things are a success, they're all part of this. And it helps them to see and think and um, see, you know, how we deal with our own fears. And uh, we tell them, you know, our journey, like we're scared of doing certain thing, but we're going to do it anyway. And, you know, we're very verbal about these things. So that yeah. helps them too. And it's actually funny because um, <laughs> our son who's 10, uh, you know how they have those icons on Netflix where you have to choose yeah, uh, your face and your name. And he put Jason the leader. He actually wrote that and he put this, you know, leadership kind of, you know, persona. And it was funny because we kept on changing it and we were kind of had a game of changing that. And he'd always go back to Jason the leader. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. You it know, is. how he really wants to see himself as Jason the leader in the family. Which is awesome. <laughs> Which brings us to number three. Point number three of the eight ways to make leaders out of your kids is don't over rave about your kids. Now, this point is touchy because I know we live in a society that is all about positive reinforcement. And as parents, we get it. I mean, we are all about positive reinforcement. But the problem is, and, and, and you know, our son has ADHD and we've been to some uh, uh, group counseling. A lot of different programs. A lot of different done, yeah. programs to how to deal with kids with ADHD. And they all basically say the same thing. They're teaching us to over rave about our kid. And you know what? It doesn't work. Now, what I mean by that is positive reinforcement is great when it is timely and when it is sincere. Okay. Now, I want to make that clear. It is very important to bringing up healthy, emotionally healthy kids. But today's psychologists and all that, they, they, they go all out with, with the dumbest, and I'm, I'm sorry to say, the dumbest things. Because to see the problem is that at one point, if you overdo it, like I was taught, you know, like, you know, praise him when he's washing his teeth, praise him when he puts on his pajamas, praise him when he, you know does this and does that. It was wow. all like ordinary routine stuff that we're supposed to do. And yes, you know, when your kid is young, like four years old, that's awesome. And but when your kid is 10, yeah, exactly. he thinks you're kind of corny and he's looking at you like, okay, you know, it's overdone at the wrong moment. Yeah. They need that at the right moment when they're actually trying hard to do something and exactly. you can see that they're trying hard to do something. Exactly. And you know, and sometimes when we're busy, we kind of, notice it and we don't say it but we did notice and that's where we have to stop and say it exactly because we notice oftentimes that we're going to consult one another either liz or i will go to, to to i'll go to her or she'll go to me and say did you notice that marissa or jason did so and so this morning without us asking that's really amazing we should or went out of his way underline to do this, this. And that. we should say yeah. something about that uh, so and we do uh, but keep in mind the more you affirm the child the less sincere it may feel for both parties. You're going to feel like a fake. And trust me, your child is not stupid. He's going to know you're not sincere. And the problem is that to the extent that they're explaining in these programs to do it, it's so over exhausting because it's like every five minutes you have to find something to say that's positive it's ridiculous and so the day you're going to stop doing that because you had a bad day or you know you you're busy and whatnot the kid's going to be like what i'm not like perfect you're, you're today. not you're not revolving around me today exactly I'm, it's you know so it has to yeah. it has to be done in love you know and you have to stop and notice even if you're busy there are a lot of times that your kid is going to show uh leadership qualities initiative. or initiative or, you know, something positive that you've been asking him to do or exactly. an attitude that he's adopted that is not in his normal habit. You know, there's all kinds of things to notice to be positive, but don't overdo. Exactly. And, and you know, the more you affirm your child, the less of a grit your child will develop. We were talking earlier in the podcast about them developing a leadership backbone. Well, leadership backbone doesn't come 
with over praise okay it comes with praising them at the right time the right moment and the right frequency so that they know their good uh, the good points but they also that when they do wrong you you can point them out you're their parents you're there for that so they need to know this stuff yeah and the other thing i want to say is that when you do that also with you know you probably have more than one child oftentimes when they're siblings um, instead of saying something like you know so and so did this and instead of another person you know like comparing try to not to compare yeah like i've noticed if i just aff- like give a positive affirmation yeah um example to my daughter my hu- my son will notice and he'll work harder to get a positive affirmation as well mm-hmm. so i try to really f- uh, you know not compare even if the other person has a weakness in that area yeah. and um and then they kind of you know want to it becomes more of a challenge and they work for it more yeah. and that's a good thing to develop because if we're honest this world is not going to do them any favors right yeah nobody's going to give them positive affirmations constantly so well, you want well, your kid to have that's to work what i for wanted it. to say though in the real world nobody's going to give them positive affirmations constantly. The only problem lies in today's educational system mm-hmm. where they put into place all these self-esteem programs and schooling for the kids, which goes overboard. So in other words, you don't have to overpraise or over uh, uh, rave about your kids because the educational system has that got, they, they've got that for you. They've got that covered. They do it. They give trophies for just showing up. They, 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 they do all these things. They go overboard and praise for, for the silliest things. So they're doing it. So don't do it at home. Be balanced. Be godly. And, and, and be the parents that are going to show them uh, their, when it's needed. When they, they need to hear it from you, you're going to give it to them. And when you need to give them criticism, constructively, do it as well. Because the more you affirm your child, the more of an inflated ego they may develop. And we know what that pride goes before the fall. The Bible's clear about that, and you don't want to fall. You don't want your children to fall for that. And you know, in the personal development trend, we tend to talk about all the time. You know, um, you can achieve anything you put your mind to, anything you dream of. And so, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but there's you have to be smart about the way you talk about these things yeah. because some kids, you know, don't necessarily have what it takes to go to do a certain thing. It's not really uh, logical if the if the child really can't sing and has really bad pipes for example don't say that they're going to become you know this the the most amazing singer you know like you can encourage them in their dream you don't want to discourage them you but discourage you want them, them to, to remain realistic i'm 5'8 160 if my dad had pressured me or encouraged me to become an nfl quarterback i probably would have gotten killed <laughs> okay, I mean that's just logic. You, you, you know, you look at your child's gifting, equipment, what God gave them to work with, and you have to encourage those bents, those qualities, those gifts, those abilities. Yeah, and by discovering different things, they're they're going to discover themselves what they excel at and what they're not so good at, right? Amen to that. Which brings us to point number four, Liz. What is it? Give your kids a healthy dose of vitamin N. Oh, yeah. What is vitamin N? Well, vitamin N uh, was coined, I think it was coined by Kevin Lehman, child psychologist and Christian author. It simply means saying no to your kids when it is necessary. We need to set proper boundaries. Saying no to your child establishes that, those healthy boundaries, and it teaches them to respect you and also others. Because when you, when you basically, as a parent, teach them that they're going to hear no from you, guess what? Life's going to tell them no as well, quite a bit, maybe too much. So when, you, when they are growing up and they hear no, not all the time, obviously you want to be, you want to be a parent who's going to say yes also. Again, balance, very important. But you don't want to be one of those parents who, out of guilt or whatnot, says yes to every whim or everything. That's going to spoil the child and definitely not make leaders out of your kids. Yeah, and we see the result of that later on in life. You know, um, it really develops into um, a sense of entitlement that they they deserve to have everything, and everybody around them should say yes, and they get very. Uh, obnoxious and spoiled brat and very discouraged easily and uh, 
you know they they don't want to they they don't want to go forward in life because they realize that a lot of people are going to tell them no so they're so used to the yes 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 that when they get the no's they don't even know how to deal with that and they can they may react very childishly when they do get those no's uh, whether it's for a date with a girl or a date yeah. with a boy or uh, a, it, a job or anything else that they're going to try to pursue in life yeah. uh, they might if they don't know how to handle no with maturity that's not a leader okay leaders n learn to understand the meaning of no and they learn to uh, overcome it and go to something else afterwards your child does not have to love you every minute a lot of parents fall into trap for saying yes all the time because they fear that if they say no their kids will stop loving them guess what they're gonna grow up and probably give you a few high hate yous along the way you know I hate you you're gonna hear that it's it's normal why because you're setting boundaries and whoever sets boundaries in their life they will find it hard especially if they're immature and guess what children are immature by nature okay the Bible says that folly is rooted in the heart of a child okay so there is a maturity there but your nose will help them help them to develop maturity another thing I want to mention here is don't motivate your kids with material rewards vitamin N is a part of that a lot of kids will seek material gifts or iPad iPhone uh, uh, expensive dress expensive sneakers whatever to be motivated and a lot of parents fall for that trap because either they're not present enough or they, they feel like uh, they work a lot they so work they have a lot, to give they, them they, 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 for anything that they may feel guilty about sometimes the parents have divorced and because the child is a child of divorce they feel like they have to spoil them more say yes to all their little whims don't motivate your kids with material rewards and what can you do to replace it with material rewards well it can be uh, you bring them out to the movies it can be quality time just uh, saying hey let's go out let's go have uh, I don't know a donut at Dunkin Donuts or Tim Hortons I know you Americans uh, st still have Dunkin Donuts they all but died out here in Canada and all we have is Tim Hortons if you guys <laughs> if you guys ever travel to Canada you're gonna see there's not that many Dunkin Donuts here uh, it can be what, what else can it be Liz oh it can be enrolling them in that activity that they've been wanting for so long yeah uh, so what what we do is we kind of go through a list of things that you know go around the quality time but in different ways that we can do quality time together yeah. that don't cost a lot of money either so uh, and they'll give their input oh that would be fun we could do this or we can do that so I kind of jot them down yeah and depending on the kids certain kids prefer certain things and so depending on uh, you know the the reward system that we do and everything so sometimes I'll say okay it's Friday it's Friday night you guys were really good at this and that that um, what do you choose I'll let you choose and then they choose what they want to do as quality time if they want to uh, you know play games with me or whatnot depends like we decide what we want to do as a family and this and that so that can work when they're they're pretty young and even when they're older you know I think it's even more important to have quality time then uh, because you know it's it's hard for a teenager in today's world and everybody's busy and you guys are busy and it's important to sit down I remember having a lot of really really good talks with my mom from a young age I was like only 12 13 and she used to bring me out for coffee well mm -hmm. not I didn't drink coffee but I, I had a donut and she had coffee and we had really good conversations and you know it was crucial and it really helped me in my life because as most of you know I did lose her when I was 16 mm. but all those times I remember them very well and everything she taught me I remembered so well so if she had been this busy mom that never sat down with me never took that one-on-one -on -one time yeah. you know what what would I have learned from her what I what would I remember today you know and I probably wouldn't be who I am today either so it's very important and the other thing I want to say about vitamin N and healthy boundaries you know the way you talk to your child about how you say no about certain things and you know you instead of just saying you know it's because I said so and saying I want you to learn this and this is why I'm saying no or sometimes I'll say you know um, if I let you if I say yes to this I'm teaching you this instead of this and I want to teach you this and that's why I have to let the consequence 
uh, teach you this lesson because you did blah, 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 or you decided to do blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that I've noticed really helps the child to understand, okay, like they're not hating me. That's not why my parent is doing this. In the end, they understand it's for their own good. Yeah, exactly. And also, I, I cannot tell you how many adults I've seen that have unhealthy boundaries, whether it be between their spouse, whether it be between their mom relationship. Um, and that's why it's so important because at a, as of a young age, when they learned how what that looks like, then they're able to mimic it. And when they're a teenager and they have to say no to the peer pressure, when it's uh, when they're a young adult, new job or whatever, they're able to know what that looks like, a healthy boundary and, and express it properly without feeling guilty. So vitamin N, very important. Which brings us to number five. Share with your kids your past mistakes. Now, I... Uh, I've told my story before. I grew up with parents who divorced twice. And when my parents divorced the second time, I was 14 years old. So I saw all the whole ugliness of the whole thing. But also, I could have put this in, in a way that you guys might understand, the whole humanity of my parents. Their, the, 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 the amplitude of their failure at marriage. And... For my dad and for my mom, that was, in a way, that, that made them very, very appear very, very nakedly, completely raw before us as their kids. They couldn't hide anything. They couldn't hide behind a perfect marriage or, or uh, the nice house or, or look at us, we're a success. They were complete and utter failures when they hit that bump in the road. They were broke. Um, and they were broken. And I remember at the time, since I was 14, I had a conversation with my mom and I said, you know, mom, since all this happened, you're not just my mom now, you're a human being. And as a 14-year-old, that was my way of telling my mom, of saying to her, I get your humanity now. Your, the failure... You've been so open about it because my mom was open about it. She cried before us and, 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 and maybe sometimes she shouldn't have, but she did it anyway. She was broken. She was completely and utterly broken. And that, in a way, taught us a great lesson. It showed us, as my mom was sharing her weaknesses and bad decisions, it made us connect with her at a deeper level. Now, it's an extreme example. Okay, and I'm not like if, if your life is, is on track and I'm ho I hope it is, I'm not saying to go overboard and showing your kids uh, all your bad choices and decisions and how it wrecked your life in the past before they were born or whatnot. But I'm saying do not portray yourself too much in a light that seems perfect. Because guess what? Number one, your kids are not stupid. They know you're not perfect. And number two, if you try to portray yourself too perfectly and you're not honest enough or raw enough in your relationship with your kids to say, you know, I, I did that mistake in the past or I want you to learn from that because I, here's what it did in my life. If you're not open enough to talk to them about this, they might not only repeat the same mistake, but it just it hinders the, the depth of the relationship with your children because something that I appreciated and in spite of all the train wreck that I found myself in as a 14 year old with parents divorcing and then being broke uh, it was a huge train wreck but in spite of that the one thing that I did appreciate from that was me growing closer to my mother in the process and to my father as well I, I grew from uh, I guess from 14 to about 19 for the next five years I grew pretty close to my dad we, we, we went out a lot and and I learned a lot from him, but mostly on the bad side of things, right? Mostly like what not to do. Because <laughs> they were both, like I said, very open about that. So you don't want to go overboard in either way. But you do want to share these things with your children. Because they need to know that mom, that dad is not perfect. That they've made their share of mistakes. And that because you love them, you don't want them to do the same kinds of mistakes. 
and that you're it's out of concern for them that you're teaching them these things yeah, so and, and when they're young it's very easy for you to kind of stop and think okay you know they they messed up in a certain thing and you're maybe not super proud of them but then when you think it back and you go yeah it's true like i did something similar that to that and i learned the hard way and you can share those teachable moments yeah. of when you were a kid you know yeah. how what happened and how you overcame or how uh, you learn from that mistake and it's just for some reason it helps them identify to you more yeah because they're like oh they were like me or yeah. they did that and it, it you know they don't see you the same way because sometimes they forget you were a kid you know before they forget you, you have weaknesses <laughs> they forget you, have, you made bad decisions and, and you know when you do that there's also another thing that it does it removes a success barrier between you and the child um you know some parents are very successful and they might appear, if they keep all their failures and weaknesses and bad decisions from their kids, it puts them on, in kind of in a way on a pedestal. And the child grows up feeling like they can never measure up to their father or mother. And I've seen, uh, I've seen people that grew up like that and they always had a, an inferiority complex when it came to their dad or their mom. And they always felt like, they weren't good enough. I'll never be good enough because mm -hmm. my dad was such an immense success, which is just not true. Nobody is perfect. Nobody like you can be highly successful in business, but have had your share of, of, of bad decisions in relationships. You know, like you got to be able to show that to your child as they grow up to learn that, you know what? My dad's a great success today and I want to be a great success, too. But he's shared with me all of his failures. And I've learned so much more from his failures than I did from his success. That's what you want for your kids. Which brings us to point number six, Liz. Avoid mistaking intelligence, giftedness for maturity. Yeah, mistaking intelligence and or giftedness for maturity. That's something we, uh, as parents, may fall for. It's a trap. You don't want to fall for that trap. Here's what maturity is, okay? Like, we know what intelligence is, but here's what maturity is. You know you are mature when you think beyond yourself and your own personal interests. And also, when you are able to foresee the possible consequences of your own choices. That is maturity. So, when your child reaches that stage... They'll be able to think of others before they think of themselves. And they'll be able to, when they make a decision, to see the possible outcomes with good accuracy. It won't be perfect because that's how mistakes are, are made, right? But, it won't, but it'll, it'll be pretty accurate. They'll know that if they do, A, B will follow. Okay? That's another aspect of maturity. Intelligence is they come home, they have straight A's. Okay? And they might do that for many years and good for you if you have a kid who's an A student that, like that's a blessing that's awesome but <laughs> talent will get you in the room character will keep you there okay so you want your child to develop that character that maturity that's going to keep them in the room once the doors open in their life and talent will do that they'll open doors but only their character and maturity will keep them there that's what we want to that's what we want to raise as children and as leaders so don't make the mistake of thinking their intelligence is maturity and that brings us to number seven teach them about leadership and responsibility and that starts young and i mean the whole podcast we've been talking about right now it all starts young everything we spoke about starts young you don't need to wait till they're 13 in fact you should not wait till they're 13 to teach them these things and point number one give them household chores to help them develop a strong work ethic and Liz I believe you had a lot to say about that yeah so as a you know how should I say this there's different mentalities around this and a lot of parents seem to fall in the category where they want to start teaching them responsibility when they're about I don't know nine ten and I think you know I've seen with my kids even with Caitlin who's only four I really think that it helps them build self-esteem and it helps them understand uh, not to take things for granted and uh, to um, appreciate things more. 
And so I've noticed that it's really important to start young. I mean, you're going to know when your, your kid is, um, you know, obviously when they're very young, like three, four, basically they, you know, three years old, they don't do much more than pick up their toys, but it's a beginning, right? My daughter's four and she sees the other kids being responsible. So she's trying to make her bed. She's doing the best she can. It's not always perfect and it doesn't matter. The point is In fact, she's it's trying. Never, it's never perfect. In fact. <laughs> But she's so proud of showing us her room and how she put everything away and put her dirty clothes in her hamper. And she's trying to do what the older kids are doing. So it's not because we think they're babies, that they're young, that they really are. Like they can do it. And they're so proud of themselves when they do it. So I really think it's important to develop this young. I've seen, you know, when I went to Bible college, I was uh, 17. Yeah, I was going on 18 at Bible college. And um, I saw so many kids so many girls so many guys not know how to clean a toilet like pretty much most people didn't know how to do much of anything when oh, it came to chores and i was like whoa i couldn't believe this because that was so you know a big part of my adolescence sometimes to the extreme because my mom was very sick and when she had cancer she was at the hospital so my dad needed me more in the house and he was a neat freak also and he was a neat freak yeah (laughs) but honestly like even if it if if i felt sometimes it was tough he was tough on me in a way he did me a big service because i really was very autonomous like i could literally go in an apartment by myself at 18 because i knew how to do pretty much everything i need to know i was really autonomous and so i think it's really a service you're doing and when you think about how many hours a day and how many years they're going to actually be working for themselves or working in a company or you know just the household stuff that needs to get done just to have a rest uh, you know a good working household it's a lot of work and let's be honest we don't know, I don't think you know anyone, and I don't know anyone, who is a strong leader and has a poor work ethic. No, I don't it, know anybody. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Another thing that you, you, you want to avoid doing is it's good to teach them about household chores, to do household chores, to give them a, a list of chores for them. But don't make the mistake of giving them an allowance for household chores. I strongly believe in John Maxwell's take on the philosophy behind household chores. You're part of this family, like everyone else, and we work here as a team. And you don't want to get paid to take out the trash, because guess what? That make you want to pursue a job in that someday, unless you start your own company, which would be good. But if you don't, <laughs> we don't want you to pick up trash and get a salary for it. We don't want you to think like that. So uh, you don't want them to have that mentality. If I do it, what are you going to give me? Exactly. Because in life, it's not like that, right? You you have to excel and do more to actually get noticed. So you don't want to have them to have this mentality. And I've seen this so much, like with the millennials and the younger generation, it's so strong in them. And it's a downside because a lot of companies will not hire you if or keep you if you have this mentality no. of entitlement. And you know, what are you going to give me if I do this for you? It does that doesn't jive, you're never going to no. become a success thinking like that. Yeah. So it's really important, especially as a household, whether you're two, ki- you have two kids, one kid, five kids, six kids, and I'll have you notice, you know, a lot of you that have a small number of children, think, oh my gosh, how do these women do it? Those that have six, seven, eight. Okay, I've noticed and you know, I've had, I've seen grandparents that have had 14 kids. Okay, my grandfather, he was part of a family of 14 kids. And it was like everybody had their own chore. Everybody had their own responsibility. My grandfather was an amazing cook and he could, you know, fix uh, suits and he was a seamster and he worked in the army repairing um, the sergeant's uh, uniforms that were, you know, had buttons coming off or whatever. Uh, so he used to he used to do that and he used to cook and yeah. he he was really useful because of that. Yeah, so you know what? It's actually funny because he was a Lithuanian, so he was close to Germany. And when there was the war, all the little Baltic countries were taken to work for the Germans, and so they put him on um, a camp where he had to make smoke to cover the camp, so that it would hide the camp. 
and he was so bad at it. At one point, it, he messed up. Something went wrong, and they were, you know, they were able to see the camp, and it was it was a danger, right? So they saw that he wasn't good at doing that, and so he his basically his skill to be a seamster saved his ass because. <laughs> That's what they made him do after, and he was so happy at that skill. <laughs> and, he, and later on, when he came to Canada, he was so like re, he was so grateful that he had learned that because he was able to do that inside job and not be like you know out in the open getting bombardeered. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's a great story. Uh, but I just want to get back to what I was saying before. You don't want to pay your kids to do household chores. Uh, give them an allowance for that. You don't want to do that. But if you do want to give them an allowance, and, and that, that's the second part of the John Maxwell theory, which is, I, I think, very, very good, and I implement it with my children. If you do want to give them an allowance, give them an allowance to read personal development and spiritual books that are going to benefit them for their whole life. Because that's something they won't do on their own. For sure. They can be forced to take out the trash, but they cannot be forced to read a book. They can be motivated into reading a book. And an allowance for that will work, and it will work wonders in their character as well. Um, so I bought special books for, uh, for Jason and for Marissa that are tailor-made for their age. And when they, they read the book, I give them approximately... As an allowance, the value of the book, how much I paid for the book. If it's five bucks, five yeah, bucks, we'll ten leave bucks, you, ten bucks. According to their age, we'll leave you a few uh, important resources that we found for different age groups um, in the bottom of the show notes that you can check out. So you'll see if you have younger kids, we have exactly. different things we can recommend So that's older the, kids. That's a great way. If you want to give them an allowance, that's a great way to do it. Uh, and I'm going to go down the list here for the how to teach them about leadership and responsibility. Don't wait for your kids to learn leadership in Sunday school. First of all, it might be long because Sunday school serves to teach you the Bible, not necessarily leadership. And second of all, it is the parent's job to teach their children. We are to teach our children. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job. They just complement what you're doing at home, okay? And also the Bible is very clear. We are to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's Proverbs 22.6. And the, the book of Deuteronomy also is especially very clear that we are, like I said, to teach our children. So, in other words, according to the word of God, kingdom citizens are all homeschoolers because they learn the greatest lessons for their life from their parents. They learn at home. And the you, things that they're, they're going to take and, and carry with them for the rest of their lives. Right. And, you know, we do a lot of, uh, you know, what happened today at school. And they tell us little anecdotes, little different things. And there's always teachable moments where you can show them leadership and how oh, they yeah. can they can do some, you know, just give them examples of what they could have done or, you know, what, what would have been nice if they had done this and that and that. Yeah. And it gives them ideas of what leadership looks like. And um, we've, we've done this many, many times and we found that it was very fruitful and we'll hear like positive things from the teachers saying, you know, wow, you know, your son did this or your son did that when uh, something, when a certain thing happened or your daughter is so this and she, you know, we see that come to life. We don't always see it because we're not there, right? We're when they're at school, but we're going to hear about it and it's really important. And the other thing I want to say about that is, you know, a lot of parents think that going to, to church on Sunday is the only fruit that their child should get because they're too busy. So they're like, oh, we can't miss church. We have to go to church and yeah. they have to get their Sunday school. Yeah. And honestly, like, I don't want to criticize because I know that a lot of programs are good out there. But your kids, sometimes they're they're not focused. They're not listening and or they don't understand exactly what the person's teaching, depending yeah. on the person doing the Sunday school. So I've had times where I said, so what did you guys learn? And they're like, it was uh, really not forthcoming what they learned. They didn't remember at all or sometimes like either they weren't paying attention or it just didn't have that much of an impact. And I'm sorry, I know for some of you, like you're really doing your best in Sunday school and keep on trying, keep on doing it because it is important. There are kids that are going to pay attention. Yeah. I was one of them. I really paid attention to everything I learned and I loved it. And, but there's other kids that, you know, it just it doesn't sink in. So 
the one-on-one, you know, devotionals that you can do with your children and have like we will do a family devotional is so much more impactful, I find, because then there's more interaction. True. They ask more questions and we could see if we got through to them or not. Yeah, right. Absolutely. This is the best thing you can do is a one-on-one devotionals. Uh, family devotionals where you just sit them all down and say, it doesn't okay, we're going to read the Bible long. or we're going to read about this story yeah. of such and such a person because there's so many great Christian leaders out there. You can read their life story, the sh- shortened versions for children, and they're going to ask questions. You'll see they'll really engage in that. And it doesn't have to take forever. It could be just a short little page and you just talk about, discuss about it a bit and it's over. Yeah. So, like my husband's done it even right before school, like right before they were out the door. It doesn't it have to t- be long. took... You know, 10 minutes and Not taught even. them something. It, yeah. was, it was probably more like five. It doesn't take long. Um, so it's very important to give them that, those verbal leadership lessons because it'll n- enable your child to understand principles of leadership and later on in life to recognize them. My son loves to point out leaders. He's gonna, We're going to watch a movie. He's going to say, that guy's a great leader. Huh, Dad? I said, yeah. And, and I'm oftentimes I'm surprised because he points it out and he recognizes it. And I know it's because of these, this time I took to teach him leadership. And uh, make the most of these teachable moments, like Liz mentioned, because they will become stepping stones in their life and hindsight benchmarks as they look back when they grow, they grow up, they'll be like, I remember dad taught me that. I remember that lesson mom taught me. Oh yeah, I'm living it now. Here it is. I'm facing it now, but I know what to do. Thanks, Thanks be to dad. Thanks be to mom. I'm equipped to deal with this situation. Which brings us to number eight, the final point that will make your children, which will make (laughs) your children into leaders. Number eight. Practice what you preach. Ouch. I know this one hurts, but it's so true. Our kids are constantly watching us, listening to us, looking at us go, observing, learning from how we are not what we say how we are how we behave because what you say is one thing but what they see you do is oh, another boy yes and they're able to show you and show you the mirror and tell you look isn't that what you said and so then why are you doing blah 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 instead and american hurt sometimes because kids mimic what they see not said what they see done you lose credibility and trustworthiness when you say one thing and do another. So that makes your kids want to listen to you less when you say one thing and do another. They know you don't apply it. They know you don't walk the talk. You just talk the talk. You don't walk the walk. And then you undid what you basically spent time to teach. Yeah. And here's an interesting application you can do to keep you in check, but also to make sure that your kids are learning uh, how to behave, okay? Here's an application, and it's a tough one. Give your kids permission to call you out when you aren't practicing what you preach. I know it hurts, but man, it's going to do you a world of good (laughs) because you'll be called out and you'll have to redress your behavior. But it's going to do your kids a world of good too because you're going to—they're going to recognize that's you—you didn't that you told us this, and now you're doing that. How do you how do you explain yourself, Dad? And or then, if it's something that you struggle with, you can say, you know, I too have difficulties with a certain thing. So I'm going to be working on that as well with you guys. You know, we're all going to try hard to do better on this exactly. certain issue as yeah. a family. So include yourself in it if it's something that you know that you Absolutely. need to work on as yeah. well. If you need to put yourself at their level and say, I need to learn this as much as you do, kids, so we're going to we're gonna do it together and we're going to encourage one another to, to do this the right way, you just do it and, and give them that permission to call you out when you fail at that, okay? Now, as we conclude, as we reach the end of the podcast, here's a few action points that we want to like pitch to you guys that you're going to find useful in this whole forging leaders out of your children. Here's one of them. Talk to your kids about the issues that you wish you knew as an adult. Ask yourself, what do I want my kids to know as they move into adulthood? And I I don't like to toot my own horn. Well, maybe I do a little bit. But I'm pretty good at that. I I, I love doing that. 
because so often I recognize myself in my own children and I know why they do certain things because I remember why I used to do them. So, and then I can step in and say, you know what, you're doing this for that, that reason and I know why you're doing it because I used to think exactly like you because I was a child, but here's why this won't work. You know, and, and you can show them that and, and you can also, they, they're going to appreciate you putting yourself on their level. Say, oh, when you were a kid, you did that. So what happened, dad, when you did that? Well, here's what happened. And oftentimes it's a great teachable moment and they learn from that. Another thing you want to do is allow them to attempt things that stretch them. And we talked about it in the beginning. Uh, that comes from taking risks, right? Encourage your kids when they do fail, okay, when it doesn't work out, to talk to you about the consequences of the, why it didn't work out. You know, like basically you want to cultivate that relationship that, that's so good with them that when they do fail, they're going to want to talk to you about it and hear, hear you out on the matter. They want to seek your counsel, your advice, your experience. Another thing is help them to apply their strengths to real world problems. Everybody needs to work their strengths. Your children are no exception. They need to learn, you need to learn their bent, and they need to learn and use their strengths to their advantage. So as you learn to know your child and you see you spot their strengths better, there's no better way to help them become strong leaders than by encouraging them to work their strengths, okay? And to how to how their strengths can apply in real life and help them through tough, uh, tough times or difficult situations. Teach your kids that every choice has a trade-off. You know, like these kinds of choices, like if I do this, well, there's gonna be this good that's gonna come from it, but there's also gonna be this bad that comes from it. However, if I do B, well, there's gonna be this good that comes from it and this bad that comes from it. So it enables them to uh, calculate the pros and cons of their decisions. And you know, I know some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, like this is going to be so much work and oh, I don't know if I can do this. But you have to have this mindset with your children that the more you invest in them young, in a way, a lot, there's a lot of less work to do in the teenage years in the sense that the stronger the foundation that you put these things into place, the better the relationship will be when they're in, in the teenage years with you and you'll have a lot less stress. A lot of the parents that are having these, you know, tantrums with teenagers is because they didn't invest in their kids when they were young. A lot of them are rebelling and reacting because they have no idea how to how to be this young adult that they're supposed to be. And the pressure is so big and they see the outside world and they see what they're supposed to be and they have no idea how to become that. And so they're lashing out basically on, you know, what they haven't been taught to yeah. do. So if you want to have that great relationship where you have more of a friendship when they're teenagers, you really have to work on this as a, at a young age and take the time that it takes. And as you get better at it, you're going to realize that you do it uh, instinctively. And at one point, it really doesn't feel like you're going out of your way or working at it. It becomes more natural to you. And another thing you need to do that we need to do as parents with our children, no matter their age, well, no matter, you don't want to teach them that at three, but there's things that we, we need to teach them early on. Encourage your kids to uh, take on adult tasks or to learn adult responsibility at a young age. For example, it's okay to show your kids how to pay bills. You know, uh, we do online banking. You don't want them to see the numbers, but you can just show them there's a website. I go there to pay my bills because each month I need to pay. And you can show you can show them the bills. Show them the bills. There, we, it, doesn't, we, it doesn't matter. You don't, you're not telling them your salary. You're just telling them what you have to pay. And it's good for them to see that at a young age to go like, huh, yeah, I'm going to have to pay stuff when I grow up. Yeah, we didn't show them our banking stuff, but we uh, did, you know, show them like some bills that we do have to pay that, you know, that 
I or next Jason to our computer. And they're like, surprised. You have to pay that every month. It doesn't go away. Yeah. It doesn't go away, son. Electricity yeah. is needed to run this household. Exactly. It won't leave. <laughs> and it makes them more conscious too because then they're like, wow, okay. So if I do let the hot water running, it does make a difference. And and I tell them, you know, when you, you're not careful or when you leave the take long showers or yeah. do this and that or leave the lights on you're costing more and yeah. guess what happens and there's less money to spend on gifts and I, all I kinds remember, of stuff that I remember, are fun uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was on a talk show once and he was talking about how he was raising his kids and Schwarzenegger has let's let's not kid ourselves he's got a lot of money right but he was telling the the host how mad he got when the kids left the lights open and he he went on a on a rampage once when they did that i don't remember what he implemented that punishment i think he he just he shut removed off them. he removed, he removed them. electricity for like three days or something so to teach them a lesson I think he took out the light light bulbs if was I it I, I don't remember but i or know shut he shut off the yeah the electricity because he wanted water. he wanted them to learn this lesson that yeah electricity is a valuable resource and it costs money yeah, and you need to work to pay for it because he was from the european background and he was raised poor and didn't have much and exactly. so he knew the value of things and it's true our kids today they don't know the value of things because they weren't raised in that way they're used to abundance we are privileged to live in america where you know everything is you know, we have a lot of everything. We have access to so much, And right? in other parts of the country, it isn't so. Like, they're more careful. And it's in a way, it's a good thing because they're more conscious of the what it costs and they appreciate it more. So as we reach the end of this podcast, well, first of all, we hope it's been of great value to you. But here's, here's how we boil this down, okay? As parents and as believers raising children, we are called to love and care for our children first and foremost, okay? Raising leaders, keep in mind, raising leaders is just the icing on the cake. So get get your priorities in line, care for them, love them, first thing, most important, and then implement what we taught today and you will be raising some pretty good leaders and kids who have a good head on their shoulder and who will be responsible and probably impactful in their life and who knows? They could even change the world. Yeah, and absolutely. And you know, these principles are really awesome. Whether you have a, a child that's, you know, a little more um, shy, less assured of themselves, it's going to teach them confidence. All these principles are going to be great to, uh, you know, help them to develop more leadership tendencies and uh, feel more assured of themselves. You know, like, for example, our daughter, our middle child, Marissa, she's less sure of herself. And I've noticed that by doing these little things and teaching her these ways, she's more confident with herself. And in the last year, it's shown in the relationships she's had with her friends and how she stands up for herself. And it may, it really does make a difference, you know. And um, and you have other kids that are very sure of themselves and a little too cocky, and they have, they have to learn, you know, leadership qualities that. Um, you know, it's not based on what you look like and how cool you are, but on character and other fundamentals, right? Yeah. So I hope that you'll apply these and you'll let us know um, on the bottom of the show notes. There's always a comment section. Let us know how you enjoy the podcast and share it with um, other friends, other parents that you know will benefit from it. And guys, uh, if you really enjoy the podcast, you can let us know. We'll We'd love to hear from you. But even better than that, let people who are on iTunes or other platforms know about it as well. Just write a short review. Take two minutes out of your time to share a review there and say how awesome this podcast is. So be blessed. And thrive on. For more free resources and content, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 